Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Hello, friends. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations. And today we have a really good and exciting conversation. We have with us today Sherelle Russell from New Heritage Fellowship in Fairview, Texas. And we also have Tiffany Dahlman from Fort Yard Church of Christ in North Carolina. And we're excited to have the both of them together. The topic that we're going to be sharing around today is the open or shared pulpit. You might remember that we've had both of them on the show before, each of them talking about their own experiences with that form of preaching. Today, we're going to have them sharing together and trying to focus around how that approach or, or format for preaching helps to shape both the, both the church and the preacher or the one who shares. So I'm looking forward to hearing that aspect of it, Stephen. What, what part of the conversation most intrigued you? Well, one of the things I was concerned about was that, you know, maybe we uh, would just hear more of what we've already heard, but bringing them together, their mix together, their their conversation with each other was really positive. Uh, I think something that that really stood out and it came out of them talking together has is just, again, emphasizing the role each person plays in the community as not only did we talk about the you know shared preaching for Sherelle's church, open pulpit for uh, Tiffany's church, but we talked about, we added the dialogical preaching, which brings an, another way for people to participate in the worship assembly, which brought out to me the strength of a small church uh, that is impossible for a large church to do something like that. And so that was that just that blew my mind uh, in somewhere in the middle of the conversation. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing more of that. All right, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome to another episode of uh, Discipleship Conversations. We're back with two returning guests. Uh, both have been on the podcast at least twice each. Uh, and we're excited about having them together. Uh, Sherelle Russell is joining us along with Tiffany Dahlman. And we have had a conversation with each of them about shared preaching. We've had that conversation separately and we've been really intrigued to get them together on the same conversation and, and just talk about it together and hear, hear what they have to say, how similar it works in each of the churches, but maybe look at some of the differences as well. So Hey, Sherelle and Tiffany, how y'all doing? Hi. They can't see you waving. <laughs> you all. <laughs> Hello. Hello. All right. Just, uh, just to remind everybody, uh, Sherelle, um, remind us uh, where you are, who you are and where you are, and um, your, just your context, a little bit of that. I am the lead pastor at New Heritage Fellowship in Fairview, Texas. We are just north of Dallas, um, a small congregation 
and uh, we just relocated to a shopping center not quite a year ago, and that has been a really um, fun adventure for us. Very good. I think y'all were in the midst of that relocation around the first time we were talking to you, somewhere in that. Yeah, I so think so. We'll see how that uh, how that's gone. Tiffany, how about you? Share us a little bit about where you are in your context and. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a great conversation too. Church in uh, unusual spaces and communities. Yeah. yeah, it's a great thing. But I'm in North Carolina, uh, our, at Courtyard Church of Christ, the lead minister there, and we're right outside of Fort Bragg, so it's a large military demographic. Um, yeah. So All right. Not? Each of you, Sherelle, you've been at New Heritage for how long? Um, in January will be my fourth year. I'll, I'll okay. be starting my fifth year in January. Starting your fifth year. And Tiffany, you've been I'm at Courtyard? Seven, seven years. Uh, seven years. Okay. And then how long have each of you been in, let's call it a full-time uh, ministry job, put it that way? Paid? That's a complicated question. For okay. Me. It is uh, a complicated uh, then, question. Okay. You know. <laughs> then, uh, then lay that out a bit. Sherelle, you go first. Um, I've been in ministry pretty much full time for since I was 19 years okay. old, um, but did not get paid for it for many years. This is the first time I've been a lead, in a lead ministry role and been paid for it. All right. So this is your first paying ministry role, but you've been in ministry for a long time. Yes. Various capacities and roles within churches. Um, smaller churches also uh, also but yeah this is the first time i've been in a lead position and and got compensated for it financially all right good tiffany how about you yeah all you know long history of, of ministry mostly missions so volunteer and then missions ministries and churches and i'm still bivocational at this my primary salary comes from acu and my program director work there all right. So yeah, a, a complicated uh, answer to what taking for granted is a simple question. Uh, <laughs> and I'm always learning, learning things. So that's, I really appreciate the way y'all address that. Um, so today, like I said, at the start, we want to talk about the shared preaching, uh, the open pulpit. We've used both those terms. I think you each use a different term um, have y'all talked about that with each other? Why you call it the way, what you call it? Maybe. So why did we, you use shared, the shared preaching, well, shared pulpit. Yeah, we say usually shared preaching. Uh-huh. And we usually say open pulpit, but I, I don't know. Why, why did you go with shared? I think it just fits well with the ethos of new heritage. we talk about shared um, authority, shared submission. So it just fits well with the way that we, you know, try to do things together. Mm -hmm. And last time we talked about the courtyard culture of hospitality and that being a big class from the beginning. So the idea of openness and hospitality is common language for us. So it makes sense why we'd say open and new heritage would say shared. Yeah. I, I like that because it's, it's not just a title for something. It fits 
other things about who you are and how you talk about who you are. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that before. I didn't really make that connection for either of your contexts until just, just here it is. You explained it. Yeah. Uh, that's really helpful. So something we, uh, when we, when we name something in our church, uh, one of the things I just suggest is that we name it that's consistent with who we are, you know, finding the right name is really about knowing our church a little bit better mm-hmm. and how we're doing things in that. Uh, that's really good. One of the things that I think I've asked both of you in this is, um, and maybe it's jumping ahead from where we should go first, but it's always in my mind is most people know, or maybe most churchgoers have experience for maybe most of their lives. I don't know. Maybe that's changing. A, a consistent preaching voice and, and know what to expect and are used, I don't know, used to what that generates or how that forms people. I'm interested in knowing and discovering, I guess, what your own people say about how the the way you, the approach to preaching that each of you take, that each of your churches take, form them as opposed to maybe their experience with a singular preaching voice. And I don't know what the experience of your, your church is. My assumption would be that if someone has a lifetime of church, they're used to the other way and are experiencing something new in your church. And therefore it's probably a shorter time frame in their lives. And so they might notice, I don't know if anybody talks about that. Yeah, Sherelle, that's your dissertation work largely. You actually have data, don't you, on that? And I don't. Yeah. I yeah, I think that um I actually feel like this is something that we need to talk about more at New Heritage, the why behind it. And um and am going to be talking about that in my project. Why do we open that space up for everyone? Um, to everyone, why do we uh, want to hear a plurality of voices? And so I think that's something we actually need to talk about more. I don't think everyone like loves it or loves it the same or likes it or likes it the same. I, I think that we have a lot of people that are really, that really enjoy it and are perhaps gifted in it. And I'm sure everyone could name the folks that do it um, most often that they prefer or enjoy hearing more. Um, but I do think that there is a high value placed on the spirit working amongst all of us and wanting to hear different perspectives, wanting to hear um, a different experiences and what people's experiences um it changes the way that people hear um, the Bible and experience what God is doing in the community. So I do think that's something that's very highly valued at New Heritage is a plurality of voices and experiences. Um, Yeah. And Cheryl, don't you bring in people from outside your congregation a lot? Yes. And as a courtyard, it's almost exclusively not there's very very few 
exceptions to that. Almost exclusively the church members within courtyard are the ones sharing the pulpit in that open pulpit space. And at New Heritage, some are within there, but very often I know you're bringing in people from the outside. Yes. And that I wonder if there's a dynamic difference. Yeah, in- we do have, usually for every series, um, we try to bring in two or three guest speakers from outside of New Heritage. And so like we've had Charles come and talk about his stuff on tra- um, trauma-informed evangelism and We also really enjoy getting to share that space with women who don't typically find places where they get to preach or share the message. And so we've had quite a bit of women come and preach for us at New Heritage, sometimes for the very first time ever, which is really powerful and meaningful to us. But yeah, that's one of the benefits of of having a shared um, preaching space. Tiffany, have they, as have people who come your way, talked about a difference in what it does to them between their experience with a single voice to a multiplicity of voices? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we talked about that a little bit last time. I think it, it does. I mean, for sure, you you're you're more on the edge of your seat because you don't know what the person is going to say. You're your ears are pricked a little bit more because you're not assuming, oh, I know where they're going to go with this. I, I know that preacher story that person's going to turn to. Um, even if you have a great preacher week after week, uh, there is a comfortability that's there because you you expect, I know the rhythm of this. I know it's going to be 18 and a half minutes. I know the metaphors that are going to be used. I know the passages we're going to refer to. I mean, you just know that. But when it's somebody new, you don't know what to expect as much. And so I think people lean in a little bit more, even literally, physically to, to what's happening. And so you're naturally going to get more out of it, perhaps, um, because you're paying more attention because it's new again and again and again. Uh, and that that's always beneficial. Yeah, I had um, back when I was preaching regularly, I had uh, one of our members who was also one of my good friends said to me, do you have any stories that don't involve you and your brother? <laughs> because I would, I, when I would tell a story that involved me, I, I never wanted to position myself as a hero. So I would often pull something out of my childhood where my brother and I were acting like goofs or something and use that as a way to try to illustrate the story. But I, he said that he was joking when he said it, but it did introduce the idea for me that if I'm the only one preaching and frankly doing most of the teaching week after week after week, even if I think I'm covering, you know, the entirety of, of, of the Bible, I'm still leaving things out. I'm still emphasizing things that are important or formative to me. And what I really like about what the both of you have shared about this, uh, this open or shared pulpit is there's a different element of formation involved. Uh, for example, I grew up under a model of preaching that that was very much instruction based. Uh, it, it was a good lesson if if, it, if the preacher was perceived to have taught us something out of the Bible. And so it was information based. But I think we need to move to this idea of how we're being shaped by the preaching. And introducing a multiplicity of voices and genders and ethnicities helps us to hear the bible differently because different people are are sharing about it 
And I also like how it forms and shapes the preacher as well. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's something where like, I I've been with churches where I, I want to be careful how I say this, but I, in hindsight, I think I could have been an atheist and still done a good job because I could have been present to help people in times of need. I could have taught a good lesson out of the Bible, but I didn't necessarily have to believe. But what I hear the both of you saying is that there's a lot that goes into the formation of the one who shares as well. And, and I really like that. I don't, I don't know. That's not really a question, but I don't know if, if either of you have a comment on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're, okay. I'll, something that came up a lot in the beginning uh, of people say, we're hearing a lot about women. Right? And, and I don't know that they were saying it favorably at first. And also early on, someone had said, because we also had females leading singing, um, females were participating equally with men. And, and one of the gentlemen said, I'm having the hardest time singing. I cannot find my pitch. It's a soprano and I cannot find my pitch and was very frustrated and then caught himself saying, wait a minute, it's been that way your whole life, hasn't it? You know, trying to find your pitch with a tenor or a baritone and yeah, it has, you just find your pitch and just this understanding and the, oh, we're hearing a lot about women. Wait a minute. And people think, and it's not that me or anyone else. And I don't think at new heritage either um, are often, it it rarely did, ever happens at, at courtyard where there's a sermon um, trying to prove something about women or trying to elevate women in some way. It's just we're more drawn to stories that have women in them, and therefore you hear more about characters that the church isn't isn't as familiar with before. And new can be unsettling, and not everyone likes new or, or they'll read into new that there is some sort of agenda that there's not. And it's like, no, you're just hearing out loud what many women have been experiencing with God their whole life. Our mothers and our grandmothers and great grandmothers. And, you know, all the way back, we're drawn to the Hebrew midwives in Exodus. We, we know that story very, very well. We know Rahab, we know Miriam. We, you know, we know these characters that don't get much screenplay, otherwise. And so when we bring it up, it, it's not some sort of agenda we're trying to drive home. It's just, you're getting our authentic relationship with the scriptures. And it did take the church a little bit, I think, to trust um, me and any other preacher in there that this isn't some sort of agenda. This is just the God I know. This is the narrative of God I know. This is the story of God I know. And it's got different main characters than perhaps yours does. And we need to hear all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really intrigued just at the beginning of this call to your responses when Stephen asked how long have you been in full-time ministry as a job because that's that's a question that I I've just always taken for granted I, I I've been able to take it for granted I've never had to really you know challenge uh, or or I mean challenge is a good word but I, I've always been able to find my my space in a full-time paid position and so I think I, I like I think it's it's obvious that the Bible has a lot more to say about women and the life of faith than what we've often 
permitted or or allowed to be shared in in our churches what are some of the strategies or some of the ways that you've been able to introduce more of those stories in ways that have helped people to to understand that a these stories are actually in the bible and b they have a lot of meaning for contemporary faith as well well i'm just gonna share and then i'll try to get back to your your question there jeremy is I also think that our experiences as women in churches that were that were male um, centric, especially in those leadership positions, have made us more um, interested in shared uh, pulpit and preaching spaces because of what we've experienced and and some of the negative experiences we've had with that. Um, they have, they have contributed to me uh, wanting to deprioritize the pulpit and decentralize that and to really start trying to break open that space of power and, and share it. A lot of that comes out of the experience that I've had um, as a female in the church. Um, and then in terms of your other question, Jeremy, I feel like what's really cool for us, like we just did Romans last year, reading Romans backwards. And our and folks, for the most part, really enjoyed it. We started at the end in chapter 16, and there's just this list of people that are in the church, and there's all of these female um, Christians, you know, followers of Jesus in there. And after reading it, I dressed up as Phoebe and just had a scrolled and just read the letter. So many people, after I said, what are you hearing? Because that's part of the dialogical preaching that we do. We ask a question in the midst of the message. And I just said, after reading it, what did you hear? And so many of our members were like, there's a lot of women in there. I never noticed that before. But I think just having a female read the words and read the list of women, there were connections that were made. Um, and, and then when we read passages about birth or being barren or having a woman share those messages, like hearing a woman read Romans 8 about groaning as if in the pangs of childbirth, there's something different about that because of our experiences. Yeah, I don't think we have to prove anything. You know, let me tell you why this is a character in the Bible that you should pay attention to happens to be female. It's just when it's preached by a woman or I mean anyone if that's a, a character that they feel connected to heart, mind, body and soul, you're going to get a very different sermon than if you're preaching on someone you you don't feel that connected to. And um so when women are preaching some of these women, these female characters, you just get a sermon that's full of heart and passion. And that communicates differently. That gives it its own validity. Uh, it allows that character to come alive in a, in a more prescient way than it would be, you know, otherwise some other character. Yeah. And, and, th and that goes to other, other things too, other differences that can really enliven our experience together. When you have someone who's you know, working through addiction, or you have someone that has some kind of a, um, of a medical issue or a chronic illness, hearing 
those folks read or preach a message from a text that mirrors their life it's it's really powerful um, those experiences really have a way of enhancing the story and so yeah it just there's this it expands so much for us to hear different voices um not only in me, me understanding what life is like for someone else but um it brings a new meaning to a lot of the of the texts in scripture. Does that hmm. I'm thinking about the dialogical preaching as you just kind of threw in there, which we were open to get to, uh, is that seems like a, a another a different kind of space for diverse voices to speak up in the sermon time so how how does how does that work what's that look like and who are the people that respond well it normally works that when i'm writing a message or whoever is is going to be sharing the message at our church we ask people to ask at least two questions and we're we're, we're trying to get more and more uh, regular about doing this, but while I'm writing, I just will work in a couple of questions and then um, ask the, the congregation to respond. And then whoever's doing tech takes a microphone to everyone to get their response. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I really like opening it up to the congregation. Of course, there's risk there, but I think Christianity is about taking risks. And um, and, but most of the time, the things in the comments that people have to share only make the message time better. And I really am working towards and wanting to let the, the congregation have the last word. And so that's something I'm really wanting to work in towards the end of the message time is letting the final words come from our members. So... Currently, if I understand it right, currently you kind of do it in the middle of the sermon or at least somewhat wrapped by your own comments or the preacher's comments. Uh, but you're wanting to like say, okay, I'm done. Here's, here's your spot to, you know, to put a different touch on the end of it. Is that what yeah. I hear? I, I usually ask a question up front and uh -huh. kind of let the church sort of build our scaffolding for where we're going. Granted, you have to really know your 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 folks, right? <laughs> like that's a really important part of dialogical preaching. Um, I really have to think carefully about the questions that that are being asked and know who who's out there. Um, and I literally think in my head, oh, I know that so and so is probably going to think this or. Um, but I usually ask one at the beginning and at the middle and sometimes at the end. Um, but I'm really wanting to work on ending it with the congregation having the last word. But it just depends on the message and, and what comes to mind in the writing process. And you usually write a manuscript, Shrill. You're yeah. a manuscript preacher. So when you ask those questions in the middle, say, is it difficult to get back on script again, or you find yourself improving the last half, or you just take that hard turn, like, okay, now pivot back to my manuscript. I just transition. And I mean, in the writing process, it, 
it just kind of will flow together. I'll usually say thank you for sharing. And a lot of times what they've offered is helps me go into the next part. And I'll even bring up in parts of the next half of my message, um, just like Larry said, da 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 da, and share what he said. So then I'm also repeating what I've heard, which I think is another important um, mutual, move of mutuality that I appreciate about it. It's honoring. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We, I guess we do something very, very similar, but we break it up and we see this more and more now. I think preaching becoming decentralized. Um, some churches scrapping the sermon altogether for conversation and we'll have a, we call it the reflective reading. So whatever the sermon is, that's our expository reading that that's what, what the sermon is going to be about, but there'll be a cooperating passage. Um, if we're preaching from the old, it'll be something from the new. Typically, sometimes it's the sermon reading itself, which would be very similar to this because it's that dense. It, it needs more time and we'll read it and we'll have about a 15 minute conversation about that passage together. And, and I'll ask a couple questions. I'll have them go to their tables. We sit at tables. So okay, at your tables, have this conversation. And then it sort of, uh, when it begins to lift, the spirit lifts on it, we have a song and then we go into the time of the sermon, but we're not asking questions during the sermon itself. But then that night on Zoom in our Sunday social time, we're talking about those questions. So you, yeah, oh gosh, it's a risky move. I'm starting to get a little hot under the collar. You're talking about <laughs> after the middle of the sermon and ask a question uh, or at the end. Um, yeah, letting them have that final word in the sermon is so beautifully risky and good. I I'm sure you all, you know, that feeling of after you've shared a message and you, and this, and you get approached afterward, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure all of you've experienced that with someone who has, takes issue with something or has a question. Uh, what I like about the dialogical preaching is that that kind of stuff can happen in the moment when it really needs to happen so that everyone can hear it. So an example is just happened at our church recently. We were talking about Jesus's teaching in Matthew 6, where he talks about um, like kind of turn the other cheek, kind of um, it's not coming to mind right now because my mind is spinning really quickly. Um, but one of our members who has gone through experiences of abuse raised a question about that and how that teaching impacts her because of her experiences. And I loved that moment so much because everyone in the room, including me, needed to hear that because I hadn't thought about it when I was preparing the message, when I was reading it over and over. I didn't think about how it would impact everyone in the room and her comment, it caused me to rethink about it and everyone else as well. Mm -hmm. One of the ways y'all are describing this, it, it sounds a lot like, uh, I mean, you're bringing a little bit of the classroom as I design the classroom when I teach into the sermon. So it's a, it's a bit of the dialogical is, is a bit of a hybrid approach of something between the old style of, I already call this the old style of preaching, the traditional style of preaching. We're on a new wave Be here. Be careful, Steve. So the, the traditional approach to preaching 
and mix that with maybe a, you know a class where you're you have a teacher but you're you got people I got people at tables and I do a mix of small group and big group discussion and also my own points that I want to make so I, you're just it sounds like that's what I hear especially at Tiffany did I hear you say in your worship center as a whole congregation you sit at tables mm-hmm, we do we do yeah we we set them up at, at COVID to be in sanitized family units but yeah they didn't want to take them down. We found it really helped with kids. It helped with people who like to bring food and we just like tables. Need a space to draw. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have coloring books at the tables. That's really, that's really intriguing. I I think that adds to the informality of the space, which then encourages probably some dialogue, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than in rows, we set our churches up to where it's a, you know, it's an auditorium, you know, we call it a worship center, but you have a, you have somebody at the front and people who are all watching that rather than these little groups. That's it. I like that. Uh, we were, I grew up at a church that was a nomad for a bit. And uh, we, for some of our time, we were at a public school and used their cafeteria. And most of the time it was set up as in, you know, in a row, kind of a semicircle sort of squared off that way but there were there's enough times where it's in my memory uh, that the that the round cafeteria tables were up and we were sitting around those tables and it just had a different feel to it mm-hmm. uh then oh, we're at tables right now too that's interesting mm-hmm. is and so is that an intentional move a new move for y'all Cheryl? is that yes and and because Part of that is because we're in a space now where we can do it. The the mm. building we met before we rented from a church and it had the, you know, heavy wooden pews. Yeah. So now we're in a space where we can try different arrangements. That's interesting. And you've had, so the, the, you've had, what all arrangements have you toyed with there? Oh, uh, well. We had rows. We can fit more chairs in there when we do that. But now we're at tables. The series that we're currently doing is very discussion oriented. And so tables have um, been what we've preferred to do for it. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely prefer that setup in a class because you automatically create little groups that, that offer the opportunity to talk amongst your group, talk amongst your group rather than trying to just talk with the person next to you kind of deal. Yeah. So that's really intriguing. Is Tiffany, is your move to tables permanent-ish? I think so. Yeah, I we change up the design on occasion um, because I don't, I don't know how many courtyard people listen to this. I just, when, when I notice people are sitting in the same spot for month after month after month, I usually change up the tables because it's ah, good to interrupt the homeostasis. If we can't weather small changes, it makes it really, really hard to weather a big change when you might need to make one. So we're constantly shifting, um, keeping, keeping it moving. You've let out your strategy. Did, I did. <laughs> Yeah, you have to do, looking to do around that. here. Maybe I need to shift the <laughs> tables right now, but uh, but also considering equity, you know, we have a, a precious child in a wheelchair and um, some older members, and so you're trying to keep other things in mind as well. But yeah, 
I I would think that what you're doing is really shows off the the strength of a small church. Mm -hmm. Cheryl and I are both small church. I love small church. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes churches, small churches want to be the bigger church and rather than taking advantage of the small, Mm -hmm. the the power, not power, the strengths of that small group. I feel like the, what I've learned or what I'm learning from this, all of these shared um, places in our community is that the Holy Spirit is very much um, amongst us and is sufficient. And, it, and so anyone can has something to share that, that we need to hear. The Holy Spirit is sufficient. I think it's really easy to get very professional um, preacher dependent and maybe lean a little bit more on that training um, than on the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's something that I feel like I'm learning and that I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of alludes to something Jeremy said earlier. Jeremy, when you said, you know, maybe you could be an atheist and just bring a good lesson. That's like leaning on the training. Yeah. Um, it's uh, one thing that I've been picking up on that's been shared in this conversation is how much more dependent uh, Sherelle and Tiffany's churches are on the actual community that that's gathered. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, a, a few people or frankly, a, a few men on the stage doing some things it's the whole community has gathered to participate in in common worship and uh it's it's i've just been bouncing that around and i i i love i love the conversation around that and thinking about uh Shirelle, i think you know nathan pickard i think we've talked about him before i i met went up to newmarket and met with him last week and uh, we were just talking about uh, about what can churches do that actively forms community? Because those are the things that we need to be investing in and focusing on rather than the structures that we often bring or impose onto the church that may or may not result in community. Yeah. Well, did you all come up with any ideas? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was a more of a vision session. I mean, he's obviously doing, quite a few things up there in, in uh, Newmarket. And uh, we just, we walked around the neighborhood that he helps to serve with the church there and uh, began, I, I was there to help him begin preparing for a community meal that they were having, but I had to leave to come home. It's uh it's about four hours away from here. So, uh, but it was good. Always enjoy talking and being challenged by his thinking and, and, even more so what uh, the both of you have shared in thinking about like even even in my situation with a very small church plant how can i ensure that what we do when we gather is decentralized so that the spirit can be present and the spirit can lead and then we can follow what the spirit is leading us in yeah that's for the authority go ahead take it 
that the spirit's where the authority is and we like to put the authority behind the pulpit but when you release it this is Kradakian, isn't it? As one without authority, when you re- return the authority back to the people um, and all under the the surrender of the spirit, the true authority in the room, it's a very different type of community that's formed than if all the authority is, is monopolized in, in one or two people. Yeah, I, I really love the shift from the unidirectional, um, you know, the centralized preacher pulpit mode but moving to this mutuality and I like getting to think of what I get to do as doing it with our folks instead of to them or at them I ministry with is something I really think is so important and I also think that helps us as we go about learning how to do ministry and partner with our communities. Um, it's interesting that we always have traditionally had these sort of unidirectional modes of operation where it's going one way, and then we just expect people to go out into the world and know how to be good people of peace and partners, but that's not what we've modeled in our times when we're together. And so having this mode of doing this with one another, I think it it poses us in a better um, position to learn how to partner with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Sherelle, thanks for that that last word there. And Tiffany, thank you for uh, both of y'all joining us. Uh, we've Again, if you want to listen or hear more about the open pulpit shared preaching idea, we've talked about this with each of them individually. For their churches and how that works and so go back to those episodes and listen a little more to that but it has been a really great blessing to have y'all two on together and just hear your own questions for one another and hear y'all talk about some new things that came up and uh, i really appreciate that very much and uh, so thanks for joining us and uh, uh, to our listeners thank you for joining us and that is for another episode soon Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.